This is The Wine World, a wine show where we interview wine people from all over the world. My name is Hein Johansen. Enjoy the show. Hello, we've been so lucky today to have Dominique Sona from Kula Gulfest in the show today. Welcome. Thank you. You make wine in the Fals region. Exactly. In the little town called Kallstadt, which is in the northern, in the southern tip of the, like the northern third of the Weinstraße. It's like about 60, 75 kilometers uh, north of the French Alsatian border. How did you come to make wine there? Well, that is quite a bit of a, a story taking a detour to California. So the winery actually got sold 10 years ago to uh, to an American family since the previous owner didn't have kids. Someone to take it over and I was working in 2006 for Ted Lemon of Literai who happens to be the consultant of the the, the owner's other project, uh, Burn Cottage in New Zealand. And Ted came to me in 2008 or 2009 asking me if I want to you know, if I'm interested in talking to those guys, uh, uh, if I want to work for them or with them in uh, in Kallstedt. And since I'm from that area, I'm uh, born and raised in Pfalz and uh, had a couple of visits. I knew the wines, um, brilliant, brilliant dry Rieslings. I always, well, knew them for quite a while. And uh, it's been almost like a no-brainer after meeting the Alan Savage, the, the guy who was responsible for, for Köln Obrecht. And uh, yeah, it's been a good been a good time since yeah you come from a wine family yourself we do have a family a small family vineyard it's a total of a hectare which my grandfather farmed as a co-op member we have that for a couple hundred years actually but it's never been more than a hectare so nothing really you can can live off but make a little bit of wine out of it for myself but it's more like for myself than you know, it's kind of, you need your hobby next to your job, <laughs> even though it's uh, the same profession. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still wine. <laughs> but it's, it is the, the reason I'm in the business. Since if we would not have had a vineyard or the connection to vineyards, I would not be in the business. I would do something different, I, I'm sure. Köhler Ruprecht is one of the eldest, most distinctive wineries in the past. Uh, the oldest, I'm not 100% sure, but we are around for couple hundred years uh the oldest part of the building is from 1500 something the winery building is from 1730 32 and it's been always made wine there that's for sure uh without a break that's for sure but there's also other old wineries like if you imagine Basaman Jordan or, or Birklin Wolf they, they are around for a couple hundred years as well distinctive yes uh because of our wine style I would say yeah talking about wine style do you think that in keeping tradition, you you feel a sort of an obligation to keep with the tradition of the Kölleruprecht and that being that old of uh, a vineyard and winehouse. Exactly. Uh, we, are, we are basically like the last Mohican or the last dinosaur or someone. We still make wine like uh, fermented in old barrels just like uh, 100 years ago, 120 years ago. The oldest barrel actually is 130 years now, 135 maybe, and uh, still in, in use. And uh, we never no one of the generations before the people before changed the philosophy and the style and it's like uh, the, the world around us is moving and we're kind of the the rock in the in the stream and we we keep on doing what we did and uh, we are you know what whatever we do we're successful so far so uh, never never change a winning system or a running system that's why we uh, 
we oh also like to drink the wine myself <laughs> that which is the most important part uh, at the end of the day that's why we we have that tradition up talking a bit about uh, barrels I've met several winemakers that says that okay we can use a wooden barrel for 20 years maybe 30 years but then it's not usable anymore but you say you have barrels that are 130 years yes, old yes exactly so um not sure who you were talking about uh, to about it we in our area we have uh, like the oval form of barrels with uh, with very thick staves and uh, you can not taste necessarily the oak in in the wine uh, after you know if if you buy it new it takes like 8 to 10 years until the the oak flavor is gone that oakiness and then it's uh, it is a vessel so it's it is still a barrel but you can use it for more than 100 years if you care care of it uh, you need to uh, keep it full and uh, and not not empty it for too long of a time and um, and then uh, it's not a big problem to use old barrels in my eyes and uh, but uh, it's always depending on uh, on, on the size and the style of the barrel as well. For like, for example, like a French barrique barrel, uh, the the staves are much thinner. Same with the I would say the the Mosel fooder barrels. They are not most of those in the past. If you look at the past, most of those barrels wines were sold in barrel with a barrel. Uh, so they kind of had a little bit of a thinner stave. We don't have that history of selling the wine in the barrel, the whole barrel. So they kind of, in false, they made uh, the barrels a little bit, well, more age-worthy, I would say. How do you work in the vineyards with your vines? To use the famous word sustainable, uh, we don't do herbicide. I haven't done it uh, in 66 years, basically forever. We don't do artificial fertilizers. We do a couple biodynamic sprays. We do not aim to be certified organic uh, i'm uh, i'm a big fan of organic and biodynamic viticulture but i'm not a big fan of certificates and the bureaucracy and uh, since i i don't see a reason why i should sit on the desk and fill out forms and uh, while while nature needs me which is more important so we we basically follow most of a lot of rules and leads, but uh, we'll, we'll never be certified as long as I I have the as you know as you the, draw the, breath. yes exactly exactly <laughs> and no one knows better than uh, than the Norwegian how complicated uh, the, I mean you're not part of the European Union so I'm I'm sure we're kind of we're kind of the Norwegian organic grower <laughs> we know we don't aim to be you know the bureaucracy is not our goal. I talked to Andreas Adam. He's making wines in the Mosel region and where a lot of his reality is working in very steep vineyards and where you, as he said, you have to be in a very good physical condition and you have to have good shoes. But I know that in Falsets is more rolling hills and, uh, and not as, as steep as you see in the Mosel. And that means that you would at least be able to use machines in the vineyards like harvesting machines yes yes in uh, in our not all of false but uh, in culture for sure everything every vineyard we farm uh, we grow is uh, we can go with a tractor and we could go with a machine harvesting machine we do most of the work by tractor like um, cultivation and uh, mowing and uh, hedging and trimming the canopy that's done by tractor the, the harvest is done by hand that is a philosophy in the winery you know in our Saumagen vineyards we do multiple picking passes so that's why we, a machine can do that and you another difference perhaps is that you 
as well as producing Riesling, uh, that I know you do with uh, a, a great degree of precision, you also produce some Pinot and some Chardonnays. Yes, yes, we do. Chardonnay, Pinot Blanc, Pinot Noir, and a little bit of Muscatella and Scheurebe. Those are the wines, uh, the varieties we also grow. The main is Riesling, 60, maybe 65% is Riesling. The second most important would be Pinot Blanc and Pinot Noir, and Chardonnay has a little bit of a growing a growing tendency uh chardonnay does well with the global warming in uh, in our area and uh Scheurebe is a sm- small amount and muscatella as well just because they they kind of have a tradition to the winery and to the region so we kind of keep it it's a barrel a barrel year i've been talking to quite a bit of palace producers and and some of them are very into uh, the international grape varieties like chardonnay like sauvignon blanc and I, I see for your sake, then, of course, both the Pinot Noir and the, uh, the Pinot Blanc, Scheurebe, of course, has a, a strong tradition in Pals and in Germany as a whole. Do you have any view on that, on how the international grape variety seems to grow larger in percentage? Yeah, I mean, um, talking global warming, uh, I'm sure it's much easier now to grow Cabernet Sauvignon or even Syrah in the area than 20 years ago. Generally speaking, I'm not a fan of that. It's good to have diversity, but I don't think that we can make the greatest Cabernet Sauvignon in the world still. And uh, I, uh, I, there are good examples out there, but uh, so far I think I like them better from, from France and California. That's my personal taste. Uh, same with the Syrah. Uh, it's so hard to grow Syrah in our area. And I kind of think it's too much effort you need to put in to have a decent Syrah and 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 Riesling basically just grows <laughs> so it's uh, it's not being lazy it's but just like you know we do what we do best and what we know best and that's kind of the stuff we we grow for a couple hundred years coming a little bit back to the style of the Kölnerupprecht wines how would you describe your your wine style the wines are a more like a little bit creamier a little bit uh like some say even oxidized, which I don't 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 agree with. It's it's, it's it has air influence, but not really oxidized. The wine have a really good texture. It's uh, it's not like super fruit forward. It's a little bit more more on the on the taste side than on the nose. I would I would I would, I would describe them. They are very very good for aging. If you want to age the Riesling, that's not a problem at all, and uh, and food friendly as well. Um, but you need to get your arms around them. So not everyone will like them the first time they taste, just because it's uh, it has a bit of an unusual taste in these days. It's not like I said, fruit fruit forward. It's uh, it's not a, not a lot of CO two in it. It's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a wine against the trend, but it's what what you know the wine how it tasted 50, 60, 70 years ago. Yeah, I've noticed that. Uh, most of your wines are predicate wines. All of them, actually. All of them are predicate wines. Yeah, and and is that I, I know that uh, there is this tendency to to classify more and more wines as uh, qualitets wine instead of uh, predicate wine. That something you'd have. Uh, a clear thought or uh, yeah 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 i i do actually <laughs> uh that's actually uh, a reason we left the vdp in 2000 end of 2014 since uh, we were a member of the vdp which was the natural wine auctioneers founded in t- 1909 
08 in Pfalz and uh, we joined them in 1927 or 26, I believe. Uh, actually, no, 24. So we were part for 88 years. And part of uh, the, the main idea of those guys were was not to use sugar to chaptalize the wine. So they called it a natural wine. And, uh, and we kind of had kept that philosophy ever since and um, still strong belief in it and especially these days where everyone talks about natural wine in, in any meaning uh, in every meaning we you know we, uh, we we kind of have the proof that we did it for 88 years and it is the only next to Austria Germany has the only uh, labeling system where you can see it on the label that this wine did not get chaptalized. So uh, we keep on having that tradition as long as we can. And uh, we play with the word cabinet, Spätlese and Auslese for the dry wines as well. And uh, we, we just to have a little bit of a, a different interpretation since uh, thanks to global warming, uh, a lot of the wines are picked at a Spätlese or Auslese level. But we have the joy that you can downgrade down, downgrade the 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 predicate. Uh, so for us, uh, the Cabernet is the lightest wine by taste. The Spätlese are the most elegant, and the Auslese are the most complex. Which goes uh, to the original idea of the predicate. You know, the lightest is usually the one with the least ripening. The more elegant, more ripening, and the more complex, the most ripening. The, which it's all about. It's not about the numbers, right? We don't taste numbers. The only number you can taste is the vintage. The difference between, because because I think there is something interesting between the VDP and the Predicat laws that more and more producers, I think, or at least that I talk to, they have a tendency to talk about the Grand Cruz of their village or the Grosse Gewächs. Uh, yeah, so do we. I mean, we only put the, put the vineyard name on the bottle as soon as it's our most important vineyard, which is the Saumagen vineyard for the Rieslings, uh, Annaberg for Chardonnay and, and Scheurebe. And, uh, and those are the two best vineyards we have in the village. And, and we're, we have the Steinacker, but only for a sweet cabinet, because we believe this vineyard is perfect for a sweet cabinet. And, uh, and so we put the vineyard name on our most important bottlings as well, where we only believe that a great site can produce more than one great wine. That is our philosophy. But uh, in general, it is important to put a, put a vineyard name on there if it's worth it. That's for sure. Do you think that there will be a change in German wine law that recognizes the Grand Cru sites uh, as well? They do talk about it. They uh, discuss about it right now. And I think it will happen just because it's uh, almost a European standard. Uh, especially in, like it com coming from Spain, France, and Italy, and uh, we will have to take it over if we want it or not. But not saying that they still, you know, we have, we have to give up with the predicates. That's a different story. One thing's for sure: the wine will taste. You know, we won't change winemaking. <laughs> It'll still be the whatever is in the bottle will still be in the bottle. Yeah. I was taught to think that the predicate wines they were or the predicate system it was more logical before because when it was colder it was more um, uh, difficult to get as ripe uh, grapes as you wanted and then only the best vineyard sites would be able to have enough sugar to make an Auslese, for instance but now it it seems almost more uh, a conscience a conscious style that you choose rather than having to to sort of be uh, lucky with the temperature and uh, and the vintage 
exactly, totally agree with you. Talking politics and all that stuff, the one thing which did not change much in the last 20 years is the minimum must wait. So the minimum Oxlo for cabinet is still the same what was what it was 20 years ago, even though we have warmer days. So if you if you want to make things even more complicated, but if you want to go with the system, then we should have ha- should have uh, increased the minimum must wait with the warmer vintages and then go go below, go lower again if it's getting if it's getting cooler again. But that is a lot of bureaucracy again, and uh, and that's why we kind of define now that. The style of the wine, were, uh, in, in contrary to the to the must wait at harvest. I've had several producers saying that, especially the lighter styles, the the, the lower pedicats is more difficult to make now than it was some years ago because the must wait it, it gets higher very quickly in the harvest period. Yes, I agree with that too. But it's always the question: What is a light wine? Is a light wine nine point five alcohol and dry? Or is it uh, and 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 high in acid, or is it uh, is it light tasty as well? If it's uh, if it has if it has twelve and a half percent, but still balanced. To see the cabinet, that's that's what we do with our Saumagen. Since we're not only making one cabinet, we make a cabinet, we make a Spätlaser, and usually an Auslaser Trocken as well. So to see to understand the cabinet, you have to taste the Spätlaser and the Auslaser, and and vice versa. That's that's our philosophy, and that's kind of what I believe that. The predicates make sense uh, versus the oh I got to pick two weeks earlier just because the it's it's too hot and too much sugar in the wine uh, in the grapes it's not necessarily the sugar in the grapes it's the ingredients there's more than only sugar I have this idea that uh, off dry styles of wine is coming a bit into fashion again that that it's becoming easier to sell than it was maybe five two two three years ago even uh, maybe I. It wouldn't sign it, but uh, probably right, especially I would say from the Mosul and maybe some of the Rheinhessen area. Uh, for us, for the Pfalz, people still kind of prefer the dry wines, I think, in the premium segment, right? If we talk uh, all day customer, they never really went to the dry side. I think in general, Germany still makes more than 50% is still sweet, sweet wine, even sweet red wine, which is a shame. How do you see Pfalz in maybe... 10 years time that is one of the most complicated questions i've heard to be honest to answer it sounds so easy but the pulse was on the rise for the last 20 years and i almost feel like we've reached our peak i'm not 100 sure internationally as well that uh, the, the region will start to struggle with global warming with dry summers that will be a, a big problem for for every one of us but in general the region is so big that we're still will still keep on having good quality in 10 years. I cannot tell you if things will be much different or not, uh, but uh, the last 10 years went went by really quick. <laughs> so I, I, and I, I kind of feel like in the next 10 years, maybe things are just the same <laughs> and we get older. I don't know. <laughs> One of the things I do see having visited uh, Falls the, the last years is that it seems that more and more Spätburgunder or, or Pinot Noir is being planted and also especially being produced. Yes, uh, it's it's always been around, but it's getting more and more. And it's getting better and better as well. Uh, not only because of the the global warming or the warming, it's also getting better because of uh, better clonal selections. And also the winemakers do a much better job than 10, 15 years ago with using their oak and some fermenting techniques. And that is true. It could be 
yeah, maybe in the next five to ten years we can even have more Pinot Noir than our Spätburgunder than than we think right now. But uh, yeah, we still got to work a little bit on the elegance. If I if you, <laughs> if you if you want to hear my opinion on that, <laughs> I think there is interesting uh, things happening as well. And with the regards to size of Pfalz, after Rheinhessen is the second biggest wine region in Germany, but then again, if you go back some hundred years to the Hundred Year War, then the total vineyards were about three times as much as it is now. So I think there is still, at least physically, there is still room to to grow vineyard-wise. Uh, yeah, but this won't happen. That is, uh, I think there's, first of all, we will we do need the, the rest of the farmland for agriculture to feed, to feed the people, which is number one. And second of all, we won't take forest away like they did in the 60s to, to plant terraces of vineyards. I don't think that the vineyard area will will increase this much in Pfalz. Maybe a couple by a couple hundred hectares, but not more than that. Uh, just because you know, if you think back a couple hundred years ago, wine was a daily drink. Uh, they had it instead of water for for lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, for me as well, but uh, for everyone, I'm talking about you know the 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 buyers, <laughs> the consumers. And if I look back, uh, if I can't look back, but uh, they the demand for wine was much higher. And uh, it was a basically, it was an everyday, everyday drink. And today it is a luxury product, more or less. And I think that's why the, the vineyard size won't, won't increase this much, at least, at least in Pfalz. Maybe elsewhere in the world, but not, not, in, not in Pfalz. And for you and, and Karla Ruprecht, uh, what is your plans uh, going forward? Do you, you think that you make the, the, the perfect wine now? Or is there some, somewhere you'd like to go with? quality or quantity or yeah well there's never the perfect wine we all know that uh there's the perfect moment when you have when you think oh now i had the perfect wine the next day may taste totally different i'm very happy with the 16 vintage myself the 18 vintage was great too but uh, i i tell everyone and i'll tell you that as well if i have another vintage like 16 i'll retire just because i don't think i can do this again <laughs> and if it happens i don't have a plan b yet <laughs> to be quite honest with you other than that Kölnerbach will will still be the rock in the stream uh, we will not you know change things we we may increase our riesling production maybe a little bit and take take a little bit of the pinot blanc back or, or you know, vice versa uh, there's no no real big plans even if in expanding the vineyard land is really expensive right now so there's no no space for us to grow which is uh you know the week has seven days and we're already busy <laughs> six <laughs> uh, so there's uh things are things are things are good the way they are and i don't think that Köhler-Ruprecht is uh needs to grow i mean we just focus on quality like we always did thank you very much for coming dominic sona of uh, Köhler-Ruprecht in Pals.